0: The story.
1: It was quite an emotional morning and it was full of trepidation. (laughs) Um, So many things we'd been told about how the baby could be deformed, how just funny things that go through your mind that, that can be so scary because you have no idea how to respond or how to feel or what the outcome's going to be.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, our guest today got the news that everyone dreads to hear when going through a pregnancy. Something is wrong. In 1998, Sarah Jollick, who was 15 weeks pregnant with her second child when she heard those very words. Today, Sarah shares how the Lord guided her and her husband through the challenges they faced. She's chatting with Eric Scatterbo and Samantha Jackal in our Melbourne studios.
2: We want to welcome Sarah to the program. Thanks for being with us. Lovely to be here today.
3: Glad to have you with us. And how do you know Sarah?
2: Yeah, look, Sarah and I, our friendship goes back over 20 years. I met Sarah at church, and from there our friendship developed, but I was able to walk through a really hard season with Sarah back in 1998. I was actually pregnant with my twins, um, Mm -hmm. just given birth actually to the twins, and Sarah was pregnant. And as I was holding my beautiful baby, boy and girl, Sarah had just done her 15-week scan and they found a problem within the scan with her Mm -hmm. baby. Sarah, you could probably tell us more about that scan and what happened.
1: Okay, yes, a scan. Um, It's such an exciting time to go and see your baby for the first time through an ultrasound. So
3: you hadn't seen the ultrasound of your new baby? No, this was
1: the first ultrasound.
3: Okay, so all excited?
1: Yeah, very Mm -hmm. excited. My husband and I and our two-year-old son, Joseph. And on the day, we decided that Robbie would play with Joseph in the waiting room and I would head in to have the scan, the majority of the scan by myself, just all the measuring things. And then Joseph and Robbie would come in and we'd show Joseph his little baby brother or sister. So as you do, I was lying there. Quite excited, looking at the screen, and it's just such an incredible feeling when you know that something is wrong because you just have to look at the person taking the scan, and you can tell by their body language. And I was watching, thinking, this isn't like the last scan. What's going on here?
3: Now, this was your second pregnancy, so you've been through this before.
1: Yes, this was my second pregnancy, and the scanner actually got up and went and said, "I just need to get a colleague to check something here." and I'm lying there just instantly praying, thinking, okay, God, what's something's going on here. And um, the colleague came back in and they were looking and they chatted together and they looked at me and said, oh, your husband's here? And I said, yes, he's, he's in the next room with my son. And they said, well, just go and get him and bring him in. And he came in and the first thing I said to him was, Robbie, God has given us everything we need to get through whatever this is. And it just... Amazed me because it reminded me of a sermon that had taken place on the Sunday where one of the elders of the church spoke up in the communion message and he just unpacked Philippians 4 and he just spoke about how God is there through thick and thin. Um, He must have been unpacking scriptures like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm, And it was just the word of God that. I hung on to. It was like God had given us a word that previous Sunday.
2: Yeah. And I can remember that time. um, I was so excited that Sarah and I were going to have babies together. I Mm -hmm. had my twins and um, I think I probably tried to convince her she was having twins as well. (laughs) And uh, knowing the day that she was having that scan and giving her a call at home and her sister answered and um, I was asking how the scan went and her sister's reply was, it didn't go good Sam, haven't you spoken to Sarah? Mm -hmm. And thinking, oh no, what's happened? And from there, you know, what did happen unfolded and watching Sarah
1: having to walk this road.
3: You you got me curious now but let's go back to the room did they come back and tell you?
1: They didn't give us a lot of information, they actually sent me pretty much to my doctor for an mm. emergency appointment. And so from there... That's we,
3: all they told you?
1: Yeah, they didn't go into a lot of details. And so my husband and I decided that I would go back to the doctor and he would take Joseph, our two-year-old, back home. He was getting restless and he needed to go to bed. So we just thought, right, I'll go to the appointment by myself.
3: So you went straight there? Yeah. Okay, so at this point, a lot of things are going around in your head. Yeah,
1: a lot of things were going around in mm-hmm. my head, yes. What, like? ah. <laughs> just okay what's what is this what's happening what's what's wrong with my baby because there's obviously a very big issue that's taking place yeah so you arrive at the doctors and my doctor started talking about it looked like it could have been a molar pregnancy they were talking she was mentioned something about a twin molar pregnancy which I don't have a lot of information on because it actually worked out that that was not the right diagnosis. Um, and she said to me, Sarah, you're going to have to have an abortion because a twin molar pregnancy can actually affect the life of the mother and you could die. Now, my response to that was, well, no, I won't be having an abortion. And she responded, yes, Sarah, you will. And my response back was, no, I won't. And she was, yes, Sarah, you will. And we had this sort of to-ing and froing. And um, she made me an appointment for another scanner, a proper obstetrician, proper scanner in the city. And uh, yeah, that was the end of that doctor's appointment. I went home and my husband and I went to the scan that afternoon.
3: Wow, this is all happening very quickly.
1: Yeah. In actual fact, even just looking back on it, it seems a little bit unreal. I got home, I was a bit of a mess, and I instantly phoned our church's prayer line and um, yeah, got and just knew people were praying. People were praying for me, for my husband, for our family. Yeah, and my husband and I, we took a big deep breath and made our way into the city for our next appointment.
3: I was just going to say here you were expecting joy. Yes. I mean, seeing your new yeah. baby for the first time, and then to go from elation to the worst kind of news you could, you know, you might die, your, your baby, there's something the matter. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to process all that. And here you, Samantha, you're, you know, having the the joy of the pregnancy uh, by contrast.
2: Yeah, yeah. Here I have got two beautiful little babies I'm holding now.
3: And wanting that for your friend. Yeah, and
2: wanting that for my friend. And hearing, at this point I haven't spoken or seen Sarah, but knowing something's really wrong and not understanding how could I have two and my friend be suffering Hmm. with whatever the outcome of this scan is.
3: Okay, we're going to hear more of your story and what comes next, but I thought it would be good to back up at this point and find out a little bit about your background and what led up to this appointment. We already know at this point that you're good friends with Samantha, but uh, obviously you had a faith at this point in your life. What is your background?
1: Um, I was born and raised in Balnarring on the Mornington Peninsula, and I came to know Jesus when I was 21. So I was a relatively new Christian when this was taking place.
3: So when she said, You will abort... That was against your faith, obviously.
1: Yeah, very much against my faith, yes. And I think also just the fact that there's life in your womb. As a mother, something really rears up and everything in me just wanted to protect this baby Mm
2: -hmm.
1: completely, yeah.
2: So you and Robbie head into the city to have your ultrasound, the second one for the day. And what happens at that ultrasound, Sarah?
1: Well, amazingly and thankfully, we're given the news that our baby is not a molar pregnancy it's actually potter's syndrome or renal agenesis which is um
3: okay you're gonna have to explain these because i i don't know anything about either one of these
1: so unfortunately our little baby had developed no kidneys so it was a bilateral agenesis renal agenesis so there's no renal system no kidneys no ability for the baby to urinate and the urination is what creates the amniotic fluid which is what the baby sort of breathes through and drinks, and that's what helps to develop the lungs. So we were told on that day that there was absolutely no chance of our child surviving birth. And some of these children don't actually survive the full-term time in the womb or even childbirth due to the fact that there's no amniotic fluid there to protect the baby through pregnancy. Um, so, yeah, it was devastating news.
3: Mm-hmm. Is it dangerous to carry to term?
1: No, no. No, there was no danger on my life whatsoever. So, yeah, we continued on with our pregnancy. And you
2: and Robbie both felt to continue on with yes, the pregnancy. Absolutely. You didn't have yep. any conflict
1: about that. No, no as a conflict. Couple. No. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And as a friend watching, I mean, it was for me personally, it was devastating. Like I said, you know, I felt this overwhelming sense of guilt my friend finds out that her baby's not going to survive, and I've been blessed with two babies. So it was incredibly hard, but in it, Sarah showed this incredible grace, this incredible grace of of knowing that she wanted to carry her baby. And you had a faith that was incredible to watch your faith grow and you walking out your faith.
1: Thank you.
3: And I think the big question here is, what do you do in this situation, all of us here have a f- strong faith in the Lord, and we want to honor Him in all that we do. And you've just been told that the baby that you have inside of you does not have all the required body parts to live outside the womb. Yeah. So you pretty much know, barring a miraculous miracle, yeah. that that mm-hmm. this baby is not going to live long, if at all, outside the womb. Yeah. So what do you do in that situation? What is the most God honoring way? to proceed from this point?
1: There was a lot of prayer and just the beauty of the Bible. So digging into the word of God. And I think that there was incredible comfort found in that place. Um, I loved Psalm 139. It just came alive to me, knowing that God had knit together this little baby in my womb, that God was there in that secret place that God knew the amount of days that this little one would have before even one of them came to pass. God became incredibly real to us through this whole pregnancy.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today, Sarah Jolliker is sharing her story and the challenges she and her husband faced during her troubled second pregnancy. We'll find out what happened next when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is joined by author and speaker Samantha Jackal, who has introduced us to her friend, Sarah Jolliker. Sarah is sharing the story of her troubled second pregnancy when she and her husband were told that the baby growing inside of her did not have all its required body parts and would probably not be able to survive outside of the womb. Now we'll hear what happened next as Sarah shares more of her story.
1: um it is a very difficult place because it's just this balance of faith god how how far should i go with my prayers i need i want to pray for the highest i want to honor you with my highest prayers do i pray for healing do i pray how do i pray do i set up the baby room in order to bring home a, a baby is that would that be Showing you that I have faith to know that, because I I knew I read the Bible. I knew that God can bring life to the dead. God Mm -hmm. can do a creative Mm -hmm. miracle in my womb. God can do anything. And yet there's that other side of that. Oh, but what if he doesn't? Because sometimes he doesn't Mm -hmm. bring about creative miracles. And, okay, God, I just, I want to honor you in this. How do I do that? And it was, it was just praying and digging into the word. I loved scripture, loved it.
3: And meanwhile, society is saying, you don't have to go through any of this. You can just abort this baby. Is that what the medical community was telling you?
1: Yeah, that's what the medical community would tell you. But in that place, as a Christian, the onus is on us. We have to know, what is it that God would want us doing? I want to honor God with my life. And so that would be for me to follow God through the narrow path and not follow society's advice.
2: And then, during this time, you still have to do life. You've got a little baby at home or two-year-old, a toddler, you've got family, you've got friends all watching on. you're involved in play group, um, your mother's group. What were the reactions of your friends and those in your family at this time?
1: Um, I had a was involved in a beautiful mother's group, a very supportive group of women that we met. We all met when our babies were oh, our first babies were, a few weeks old, and uh, the majority of those women were really supportive and really lovingly. One of them was a doctor. They lovingly walked me through each day, each week. We caught up. So, how did your church family support you through this time? Uh, my church family was highly supportive. There was just amazing. We had I had amazing prayer support. I was also involved in Peter and Sam's life group, and they went over and above supporting us and praying for us.
3: Peter being Samantha's husband, so yes. the two of you were helping her.
1: That's right. Well, our families were quite close
2: at the time. Yeah. So also through that you um we were praying for you and we asked you, you know, Sarah, what do you want us to pray for? And the highest I think was that your baby would be born um healed, that they'd find nothing wrong. Or the other thing you requested was If it's God's will to take my baby, could I have 20 minutes with my baby
1: alive? Yeah. I was told that, as I've said before, that there was a chance that the baby would be born stillborn or he would die on through labor. And so to be able to hold our little one and, yeah, just to experience a little bit of his life here was... um,
3: That was your heart's desire?
1: Yes, it was my heart's desire to experience his life
3: Just for 20 minutes
1: Yep, yeah
2: So the church, your church family and your family are all um, praying for you at this time And then the day comes when you go into labour What did that
1: look like for you, Sarah? It was quite an emotional morning And it was full of trepidation <laughs> um, So much going through my mind so many things we'd been told about how the baby could be deformed, how just funny things that go through your mind that, that can be so scary because you have no idea how to respond or how to feel or what the outcome's going to be. I remember the midwife actually s- suggesting to me, come, look, his little head is crowning. You can put your hand down and you can touch his hair. You can, you can feel his hair And almost being at that moment afraid, like, oh oh my goodness, there was just so much going through my mind, so much in my heart. And yet he was born and he was beautiful, this little boy. There was not one ounce of deformity to this little face, to his little body. And he was there and he was placed in my arms and he gulped his little breaths because he didn't have any lungs And he wasn't miraculously healed, but in that moment, the most amazing presence of God came into our room and my husband and I held our little boy and he gulped his last breaths and we had 24 minutes of his life and it was incredibly precious. He was a sweet, sweet little boy. Yeah.
3: And that's what you wanted.
1: Yeah, I prayed for those... 20 minutes, and I got 24 minutes with my little boy, and um, he was beautiful. He was a beautiful little boy, and absolutely amazing presence of God that entered into that hospital room. Just incredible.
3: So now, it's been over 20 years later? Yeah. Just looking back, would you have done it any other way?
1: Oh, no, no, not at all. We... It's a turning point in my life. It was a beautiful, enriching experience. I am amazed at the beauty of God in the midst of death. We may not have received a miracle of, you know, a creative miracle where we have Louis here with us on earth, but we experienced an incredible, the power of God in, in different ways. God was so alive and so real. He carried us through a time of grieving, and he revealed himself to us in a beautiful, beautiful way, a tangible way.
2: You know, through that time, after you gave birth to Louis and Louis passing, you went back into your play group,
1: And can you just talk about the response of the women in the playgroup? Yeah, it was really beautiful. Um, one of the girls was a doctor, and she actually, I loved what she said to me. She said, Sarah, after watching you, Walk through this journey and choosing not to abort your baby but to carry him to term. She said that's one thing that I'll be recommending to my patients that they carry their babies. And because it's such an incredible healing process, there's such a, a beauty to actually, yeah, being a mum, carrying your child and being there.
3: But mm. now I'm thinking, I'm not a mum, but I'm just thinking. Yeah, that's the way God made mothers. That's the beautiful thing about mothers.
2: Mm.
3: Mothers are maternal. They want to give life. It's everything in your DNA. That's the way God wired you. So to carry the baby to term, even if there's just an infinitesimal chance that that baby could survive, but you have to do it because that's who you are. That's how you were made.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: And now the other thing within the playgroup was uh, another lady was watching on from probably the sidelines how you were dealing with your pregnancy, how you dealt with the birth and then the death of Louis. And that was enough for her to actually come to faith and to find Jesus because of Sarah's incredible grace
1: and faith. Yeah, she's a lovely young lady, and became a very good friend of mine. And she, I don't know whether I can put her faith journey down to me and what happened with our little baby, but, yeah, she definitely gave her life to Christ in the months after we'd been through our time of hardship. And in in conversations that I've
2: had with her, it was certainly she was watching Sarah as she went through that difficult season and her faith in Christ and her peace this incredible mm-hmm. peace Sarah carried with her it was astounding as a friend watching on mm-hmm. she held herself incredibly right through she was dignified right through but she had this incredible peace that you could almost smell it was she just walked with this peace in her heart and i think that fragrance you carried which was Christ certainly touched many lives especially your friends and those watching on
3: yeah, that's very interesting that there's two parts of this. There's what you went through, and as you shared, it was very healing for you. But then as Sam's sharing, you didn't do this in a vacuum. There were people watching how you yeah. were handling this, and that brought glory to the Lord as well.
1: Yeah, it's quite an incredible thought that, because it's not something that you're at all aware of when you're walking through mm-hmm. tough times. But I can't take any credit for that either, because I truly believe the grace of God is absolutely amazing when you choose to step into it. God's grace, he graces us in times of need, especially, yeah, deep times of suffering. His grace is real. So your life now,
2: Sarah, you're a mom of two beautiful children on earth and of course Louis in heaven. Um, your husband and yourself have this incredible family. Do they know about Louis? How did you introduce Louis to them, your family, your children? Oh yes,
1: Louis is a, a big part of our life, or he, especially at the start. Joseph came in and met Louis on the day of the birth. A little, maybe a few hours after he died, my family came in and we all held Louis. And jo- we've got photos of Joseph holding Louis, and. Um, Yeah, every year on Louis's birthday we will either gather together as a family or, you know, Robbie and I might just gather together and we'll open all the cards that we received over that time. You know, Eric, one of the big things that really surprised me with Sarah's
2: story is that she had a choice in her story Mm -hmm. and that choice was either she could become bitter and angry at God or she could lean into God and her faith strengthen and as a friend watching on, There was absolutely no time that I saw any bitterness or anger towards God upon her. She certainly leaned into her faith and had this incredible relationship with God, this incredible foundation that that she was able to share with all of us. I mean, it was one of my saddest seasons, but one of the most beautiful seasons watching my friend go through this and her commitment to Jesus all the way through it and the way she held herself.
1: Yeah, it is interesting that it is a choice. It's a fascinating choice. Uh, there have been times on that birthday day, there was one year, maybe seven years ago, and I was alone, it was Louis's birthday, and I'd pulled out all his beautiful cards and we have a little blanket and just all the things that remind us of him. And I sat there and it was one of the first times I actually thought, oh, I could just weep and mourn and wallow. It was a time where I just sort of, and it almost felt nice, the sort of wallowing and yeah, just feeling sorry for myself. (laughs) And yet in that moment, it was like, hey, no way you have such a choice here. You can lean into that aspect of wallowing and and self-pity, or you can look up and recognize the beauty in a situation and the wonder of God's grace. And step into that and live that out. And yeah, I found it fascinating just the choice on that day. Like, wow, what are you doing, Sarah? What are you doing? It's almost like you could slide into it, slide into the wallow. It's like, no, 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 I'm not going to go there. I need to step into the grace. Mm.
0: Sarah, thank
3: you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: You're very welcome.
0: That was Eric Scatterbow chatting with Sarah Joliker, along with her good friend, author and speaker Samantha Jackal. And we trust that Sarah's inspiring testimony will bless many others who are walking through or have walked through a similar journey. It was great to hear how, even though Sarah and her husband were facing some extremely difficult challenges, They never gave up trusting and relying on their Lord. As it says in the Bible, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He is always there for us, no matter what the circumstances. Well, thanks for joining us for Sarah's story of cherishing human life. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today.